0: Thank you for listening to this message from Valley Bible Fellowship. It is our sincere prayer that you are richly blessed through the ministry of the Word. For more information about VBF, visit our website at vbf.org. Now, here's Pastor Josh Vietti.
1: guys, everyone's going to wonder where we're at up here today. When they look around, they're going to go, what Sunday school class is that? <laughs> so you want to tell them where we're at? I had a poker table at a saloon <laughs> <in> a bar. <laughs> is that where we're at?
2: No, uh, not quite. But um, Yeah, we're up at the ranch. Uh, at, the, at the ranch, and uh, you guys, actually, uh, the church uh, bought this place and it had a
3: bar and had a saloon, and so you put a bunch of fake liquor there because we want to look like
1: we're, uh,
2: we're drinkers. And <laughs> yeah.
1: If you're yeah. a mighty
3: man, this is not new to you. You no. came up for some retreats here. Yeah
1: yeah this is shady springs ranch this is the miniature calico west <laughs> and i'm telling you we got general store we got jail house we got bathhouse. this saloon is outrageous pretty sure this is like how knott's berry farm started it's yeah. got to be the way knott's berry farm started <laughs> we are starting knott's berry farm i think people would have it here everything in here is the 1800s yeah. everything that's and it's cool. so it's cool. It's really
3: something to see you guys. We <laughs> even
1: have uh, bloody, um, bloody, cards. bloody bloody cards Bloody cards, <laughs> and we got soon. we got want, wanted posters. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. Well, hey, we're up here today, and uh, we all have some questions on our mind, and I had a couple, and and these have to do with our Bible study because I'm going to continue our Bible study today, and uh, so just some questions I needed I needed to throw out there and let you guys discuss with me, and one of them came up on our Bible study. Uh, a week or two ago and it was are God's promises conditional
2: mm-hmm.
1: and we've got to know that are they unconditional or are they conditional now I think I have an answer to this but I want to hear what you guys have Say, do you think his promises are conditional or unconditional I, I'm interested because I
3: it's a tough question I was looking and I came to a conclusion and a, feel free to correct me faster I saw a little of both in a way let me explain Um God promising that he set a rainbow, he's not going to flood us again. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's anything I can do in my little body to change that. But God God saying he would save the world through Jesus Christ is a promise as well. Mm-hmm. But I had to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior and choose to follow him. I think,
2: I think a simple answer for that question is... Um, If God puts a condition on it, then there's a condition. If he doesn't, then there's not. You
1: you have taken the whole solution out of my lips. (laughs) Because I was going to say the same. Some are conditional, some are not. But but here's the thing. For example, I I, I repeated this in my sermon. I have this video, crazy video of this crazy doctor story. This doctor is a really born-again Christian. Long story short, they bring a guy to him. The guy dies in the hospital room. And this doctor, you know, pronouncing dead, leaving the room, God spoke to him, go back and pray over this guy and do this, this, this. He went back God said, go back again, again, again. The guy came back to life mm-hmm. and it was incredible. And so what I kind of took off on is what this doctor said to the next doctor who was taking his shift. This doctor was leaving, another doctor was taking a shift. And he said to this other doctor, he said, hey, he's yours. Do whatever you want to him because you can't kill him because God wants him alive. You can't kill him. And, and that was kind of like, you know, what got me going on this. But Josh, yeah. you said it well, and you said it well, Justin, that, you know, with the commandments in the Old Testament, it says, if you do this, you'll be successful. If you don't do it, you'll be cursed. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth. If God gives promises with conditions, they're conditional. If He gives no conditions, they're not.
2: Well, I think, too, uh, there's the large story that God is going to take care of His people. And then there's the individual stories where, you know, God does put responsibility on us uh, as we grow in the faith. And, um, you know, when we're young in in the faith, I don't know if we have as much responsibility. But as we get older, it's like I think God wants us to to stand on our two feet a little bit and be adults, you know? Well, you know, it was like when
1: God told me when I was dying of cancer. He says, "I'm not going to let you die. You're not going to die," but he put no conditions on it mm. because I did everything to mess it up. I went mm. and took all these medicines. I was doing all this stuff. He didn't, there was no conditions. He said, "You're not going to die," and I think there are condi- there are promises that God's going to give to our people, yeah. and they're not having conditions on them. And if there's no conditions on them, then there's no conditions intended, right. and you can't do anything to mess it up. If He says something like He's promised me several things in my life, mm. and there were no conditions on it, mm. and I did everything in my power to mess them up. Like Abraham, even, you know, and David. We take some of these guys that God gave promises to, and doggone, they did everything they could do to mess so them what up. If, but they didn't mess them yeah, up. Let, so let me ask you this,
2: um, go off script a little bit, and, and ask you, what if somebody feels like they have messed up God's promises for their lives? I mean, what, do you, what would you tell somebody like that? Because I, I've noticed a lot of people, um, if they mess up, then they think that, oh, well, I'm out of God's will, so, so. it doesn't matter anymore. So they quit church, they start... You know, drinking a lot. Like I've seen people go completely south because of one mess up and, and you know, maybe they're missing the mark on something. Maybe well, I've taught for years, problems.
1: Josh, that there are primary the primary will of God and there's secondary. Mm-hmm. And if you miss the primary and you mess it up royally, mm-hmm. just repent, get back to God, and if he can't give you the primary will back, which he can very often, he'll give you the secondary, and that secondary will be as good as the primary.
2: And is it don't you think too that's a great answer. I, I agree with that hundred percent. Don't you think too there's a there's a a reward of just having God in your life, even if you have, you know, not been as successful as you might have been otherwise. Like you still have God, 100%. you still have Him. You know,
3: I, I consider knowing the greatest accomplishment in my life is knowing the Lord. I fully yeah. believe, according to Pastor Ron's word, I could have had a different route in sports and a lot of things, but my personal choices messed that up. Correct, yeah. but. Then fighting Christ and becoming a pastor, pursuing youth youth ministry, found a whole new calling yeah. that was well, well worth it. Was was it the original plan? God could have used me in tons <laughs> of other things, right? And still used me to glorify. Well, the I, Lord. My
2: wife asked me just a couple nights ago. She's like, "Do you have any regrets in life?" And I said, "No, not really. You know, and it's not that I haven't done anything wrong. I've done lots of things wrong. Um, I've made a lot of decisions that weren't good decisions. Mm-hmm. But at the end, you know, you, you do see how God makes all things work together for good and." And it's kind of a, it's built my faith.
1: Well, there's you know, one to there too. There's a condition yeah. on that one, right? That God will cause all things to work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose and yeah. love him. And who love him yeah. and, but shouldn't we all yeah. love him and be called according to his purpose? So many of the conditions are automatically filled by people who love God. Yeah. Yeah. They're automatically. So in a way, there aren't a lot of conditions to promises when the promises, conditions are just living hardly well, for I think this answers
2: most of it. It's such an important topic because I think the devil lies to us so much and says, you know, you're not good enough. You'll never make it. There you, you go. You ruined everything. There you go. You, uh, you know, the 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 plan God has for you. It's nothing now and you don't even matter anymore. And yet we're still breathing. Well, Josh, still, that's, that's
1: just what I'm driving at. Because it's our human nature to think, he's given me a promise and I'll mess it up so I'm not even going to have faith in the promise anymore. Mm -hmm. you got to know his promises are bigger than your mess-ups. When he gives a promise, man, those things, they have a long shelf life and a tough shelf life. And usually, or not usually, but a lot of times they're made without conditions. Mm. Sometimes there are conditions, but if you're loving God with all your heart, you'll be fulfilling those yes, conditions. He so.
3: loved us while we were still yet sinners. And I think it's so important that when you sin again or you feel like you've fallen again, remember Jesus didn't come get you because you were perfect. Yeah. He came and got you because you it were a mistake.
2: because I think a lot of people have such a limiting view of God because of what they've been taught or maybe the culture around them, uh, maybe their upbringing, you know. Uh, But God is so much bigger and so much more gracious, but also just a good father. He disciplines us well, you know, and he molds us and shapes us. And so,
1: Well, you know, that that goes back to the second question I wanted to ask. And it has to do with the coming back of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I was at uh, an appreciation dinner at our Northwest Mm -hmm. campus the other night. Mm -hmm. And I was appreciating the volunteers. And I said, a lot of you really believe that God sees what you're doing and he'll reward you when he comes back. Mm. Because here's our, our we got a problem guys. Mm. Because if I read the Bible correctly, the spirit of the letter says that if you get paid for doing what you're doing, then you won't get a reward in heaven no. necessarily because mm. you've already got your payment.
2: Yeah.
1: So for us, I mean, it translated to me that i work worked like 70 hours a week because I wanted the 2030 to be for God. Yeah. And maybe that's not, you know, precisely the way it's meant but i think so often in the church world i see us trying to pay everybody give them something you know here's something for doing this this something doing do this and we're taking their rewards away Well, we're robbing them too
2: we're robbing them of rewards uh jesus said where your treasure is there your heart will be also so i've always thought that you know if you put if you if your treasure is god and things of the of, of of the kingdom of heaven then you put your, you put everything you have into that. You put your time, your your uh, resources, your energy, uh, your gifts, and all those things, and you will start to care about that more. You know, your heart will follow that passion. Yeah. Um, and uh, just, my wife was just reminding me of that the other night too. She's she's my counselor right now. So <laughs> oh, they all it, are. They all are isn't our counselors, good, right? And your wife, your counselor. 100%. Isn't it nice when
1: God gives you the right one? <laughs> oh gosh! You know you can't make it in ministry without the right one. Is that right? I I couldn't make it in anything. There's no way. Yeah. Not Behind. even
3: just in ministry. I don't know how he can, He who finds a good wife has found a good thing. Is so true because yeah, I, I rely on Cassie, my wife, to... So I don't know if, she's, if she always thinks the same uh, with me, <laughs> but I definitely... Same boat.
2: I definitely uh, have always known that, that God brought my wife into my life, and she's just like the strongest person right now for me, you know? And yeah. it's just been really cool to have that. Well,
1: you know, going back to our subject... We have a lot of workers. I mean, people like us, this is our living. Yeah. So we got it paid, obviously, because we have to give 40, 50 hours a week. And we can't, don't have time to go out and make a living. And that's basically it. Mm-hmm. But for so many of the volunteers out there, they are, are, I hope, they're choosing to believe that when I go to heaven, I'm going to be rewarded for one of these things. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I, I brought to their attention the other day, uh, the fact that one day I was standing in the back of the church, and, and you know defining moments, because they're with you today like like they happened yesterday, but it happened like 30 years ago, 20. Mm-hmm. I'm standing in the back of the church, and and I felt this conversation going on in my head with God. Mm-hmm. And He says, you're pretty proud of what you're doing, huh? And I say, yeah, man, we're growing. we got revival, da-da-da-da-da. And I felt like God said, you know what? Anybody would do what you're doing for the salary you're getting. Mm-hmm. Anybody. And it's just kind of Knocked me upside the head going, whoa. Which and is so
2: insanely high, by the way. We don't want to start a new rumor here. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, so anyway, long story short, I started thinking, God, I just got to <laughs> serve you. I've been called. See, you don't have a job. Mm-mm. And you don't have a job. I don't have a job. This is a calling that we're just living out. And people are gracious enough to pay us to do it. Yeah, But it's something I would have to do if I was a volunteer, whatever. People don't understand how intertwined our whole being is. Oh, in it's day and night. Yeah. Uh, at three in the morning, my phone goes off. I have to pick it up, answer it, see if it's important. Yeah. This is 24 seven. It's not something where you come home punch at a clock and say, I'm out, I'm off. There's, if I go to the grocery store, I'm on. If I go to the mall, I'm on. And,
2: and, and you feel it too, because you care about the people. You care, there's a few people right now that are going through hard times, and it's just, it has really jacked me the last few days, you yeah. know, just thinking about their lives, thinking about what they're going through. Um, I, I just, uh, that, that's one of the things that I really appreciate about our church is is when we see somebody hurting, you know, we will go to them and we'll talk to them and, and help them out. We have shepherd's
1: know? hearts. 100%. Yeah. That, 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 uh, Wisconsin thing of that car driving that's through the crowd. That's so sad. I sat and wept today. I actually had tears running down my face. I was wiping, taking my glass off, wiping them. Little kids are in the hospital fighting mm-hmm. for their life, hit by cars.
3: That's what that's what empathy is. Okay, I, I, I've been experiencing that because, of course, my son's in the hospital, mm-hmm. and um, Josh has called to pray with me. Um, yeah. um, the church, I haven't had, I've had the kids solo, which is not easy. Um, I haven't. I've, I had to cook one meal so far. It's been a week. The churches came and brought meals, and, that's and it's cool to see. Really cool. And it makes me wonder: How do people survive not being involved and, in the yeah, church? Like, you know. I can't do. It. I'm. I'll be humble enough to admit I can't do this life alone. I yeah. thank God we have a church. I thank God I have pastors. It's a family, like, It's. It's amazing. And, and um, I just. I feel. I feel for the people who don't have that. Like as yeah. you were talking about. I feel yeah. for people. How I feel for it? people who don't have a relationship well, there with are a God.
2: lot of people that, are, that have isolated themselves because of pride or whatever. And when they need others, they still stay in isolation because that's how they set up their life, you know?
1: Josh hates this, but I'm going to get a little theological on you. <laughs> oh, okay, goes. I know you hate that. But I'm really wondering, does the average Christian out there really, really believe the Lord's coming back? If they did, they might be changing their lifestyle a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, he's coming back. We're, we're gonna give an account for everything we did to make disciples on this earth. Now, with that said, we are seeing the climate of our culture and nation change so rapidly. Someone asked me a question of the day, Pastor Ron, is the vaccine the mark of the beast? Well, obviously it's not. But when people ask that, immediately bells go off in my head going, they don't know their Bible. They don't know their Bible. Yeah. Why isn't the vaccination the mark of the beast? Well, here's the deal. We're told. We're told specifically in Scripture. Whether it's symbolic or not, we're not sure. But in the last days, there would be a mark given Mm -hmm. to people, either on their right hand or forehead. Without it, they can't buy or sell. Now, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 3 years ago, I thought, man, that's never going to happen. That's so far off. But today, we're seeing economical discrimination right now. Yeah. I mean, stuff's moving so quickly that you could see how this could happen. Well, Elon uh, Musk is, uh, uh, is, has already developed Neuralink, which is like
2: a chip that goes in your head. and
1: And a, supposedly
2: uh, you can actually think thoughts to each other.
1: Is that
3: crazy? And so they have connected to a, <laughs> I've watched this. they They've connected it's, to a monkey and the monkey's playing like Tetris or not Tetris on um, Atari. That, that back and yeah. forth pong game. So and it's thinking the, it yeah. just has to think it and it will do a it monkey. For a yeah. monkey. <laughs> so so we're going I've seen to that way.
2: We're, we're moving quickly into a sci-fi world anyway. Aliens yes, are real, yes, you yes. know, all this stuff. So <laughs> how are we going to deal with all these things? The way when I when I think about Jesus coming back I think my mind's a little bit warped from the movies we we had to watch when we were yeah, kids. 100% uh, <laughs> they're kind yeah. of cheesy. And, but, well, was it,
1: what was the name of those movies? Oh gosh, Left, uh, Behind. Left, Left Behind. Left Behind. Yeah, there's <laughs> ones before that too, but yeah, there were um, some real primitive ones. Yeah,
2: but the way I see it is whether he's going to come in from the cloud while we're alive, or if he's gonna, if not, he's going to come when we die. Right? No matter what, we're going to come. Jesus he's coming for you. And um, but but
1: Josh, the climate—that what's shocking me right now. Is I'm, you know, I've taught prophecy for almost 50 years. I step back, take a look, and I go, oh my gosh, if there is a literal mark of the beast, which we don't know there is, mm-hmm. it could be figurative, symbolic, but if there is something in the hand or the forehead, and without it, you can't buy or sell, we're set up, we're almost like in a practice run right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going so quickly. now. Now, it's very interesting because when people ask these questions, bless their heart, the vaccine, is that the mark of the beast? What they don't realize in Scripture, the false prophet brings the mark of the beast in, Mm -hmm. a religious figure. Mm -hmm. The mark of the beast is something that you're going to identify, worship with a beast. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be something iffy. You're going to know when you take it that I am refusing to worship Jesus. Mm -hmm. And plus, something so interesting, if you look in Revelation 13, it says the dwellers of the earth will be here during that time. And if you look that up and study in the Greek... It means a people of a different kind than Christians, mm. totally different. So when people ask these questions, and again, bless their hearts, ignorant questions they don't know the Bible, but is the vaccination the mark of the beast? The mark of the beast will come through a religious figure who is the assistant to the Antichrist. And uh, it's going to take a voluntary worship of the beast and denial of Jesus to get it. Mm-hmm. And well, so it's all right there in the Bible. It's right there I in the I feel pages. like
2: um, that question is based in fear also. You know, and it's like, fear. it's like if I don't get all the um, you know, facts right that I'm not saved, and Jesus never said that. No. Never said you have to get all the facts no. right. And you hear a lot of people these days arguing <laughs> about theology. You said I don't like to talk about theology. It's because of that. I don't like to argue, and we're not going to argue. But I don't like to get into the place where right. y- you look at these minors, and you know, it's uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, or it's this or that, or whatever. You know, it's um, they talk about
1: what is the Trinity. Well, you know what they did with me. They did with me because I said I believe in the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but I don't know how to explain them exactly. I don't know if we'll ever see them stand on three together. They're a Godhead. Anyway, I didn't say it the way certain people wanted me to say it. And all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. the Internet, I don't believe in the Trinity. Right.
3: Yeah. Well, they'll they'll kill you if you know it all. uh, And if you act like you don't know it all, then mm -hmm. they'll still kill you for that. Well, it's it's, it's my opinion.
1: They'll kill you any
2: way you look (laughs) at it. It's my opinion after being on the pulpit for 20 years, whatever, um, that the teachers that teach that way the facts you you better know these facts, and nobody else is teaching you this. They have an ego problem. They have they have an issue with wanting to be needed up on the pulpit themselves. Because if they if they tell you the only thing that that uh, that they can tell you, you know they're they're the only ones that know this. Then all of a sudden they're special. John Josh, Josh can around. I say before but both of you? That's just the
1: wrong way to teach. The older I get, in one sense, the more ignorant I become because I realized that I don't know as much as I thought I knew 30 years ago a lot of it God has not revealed it to us. If we got, let's say we got beamed up right
2: now and and talk about aliens, we got beamed up to go into an alien ship, right? When we look up in the sky, how big would that ship be? It'd be tiny, right? A little tiny thing. As we got closer and closer and closer, it'd be bigger and bigger and bigger. I've always thought that that's how it is with God. Like the closer you get to Him, the bigger and more magnificent and harder to understand He is, right? And and
3: that hundred percent. When I started ministry. I knew it all. <laughs> and then now I'm in like the middle. I'm 30-year-old. I'm still towards the beginning. Oh, dude. And I'm like, I don't know anything. That's I have why I start slowed, trying to suck up. I have up slowly
1: more. digressed from 21 on. <laughs> yes. But I, I thought I knew how to raise kids. <laughs> I thought I knew exactly what... What hell is exactly the T. Mm-hmm. I know exactly about the Trinity. I knew all this because stuff. Because I and read
3: one verse. Then as I know? pull
1: back, I begin to say, but there says something different over here. <laughs> and there is a lot of things I think we know for yeah. sure. Oh, for yes. certain. A lot of, we're growing in our knowledge. Yes. But knowledge is progressing. But we have
2: access to all the knowledge that's ever been uh, created. I mean we have all yes. we have access, yes. but we're not happier yes. and we're not more effective necessarily. We're more distracted with that knowledge. I mean, think about what knowledge was in the very beginning beginning. It was a bad thing. It was what sin, the sin, the tree that God told them not to eat out of. That was the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And, you know, they thought, well, we we need to know that. But how many, how many things do you know in your life because of mistakes you've made and you wish you didn't know those things, you know, and those things
1: become anchors and, well, you know, I want to read three verses because of this subject that, that Christians out there are afraid of what's coming upon us. And the Bible says it's going to be pretty scary in the last days. And it's happened more rapidly, more rapidly, more rapidly. And three verses I I pulled up. One's in Luke 21, 36. Watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and stand before the Lord. And then the other one is in Luke 21, 28. When these things begin to take place and they're, they're, they're beginning now, lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. And the third one, is a Revelation 3:10. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that's going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants yeah. of the earth.
3: H- humbling moment. Let me share a story with you. Okay. So, as a young Christian, overzealous. Um, second coming of Christ, right? It's coming. I was st- I was telling people, oh, he doesn't have to take me. I'm gonna stay back and get people saved. <laughs> I grow in maturity, <laughs> read how horrible it's going to be, <laughs> you, and then yeah. just how weary you already are of working for the Lord, and how you want to see His face. I spent my
2: childhood oh, believing. It sounds that sounds, that
1: sounds like. spiritual. It
3: does, but it was
2: wrong. So let me tell you a story <laughs> real quick. Um, one da- one day, I went downstairs at my at our house when I was in I was sixteen years old, and uh, not living not living right. And I uh, went downstairs, and the stove was on. Uh, there was water boiling. Uh, the TV was on. I know where this uh, is going. <laughs> and the door was kind of cracked and nobody's there. I was like, it it's over. It it's <laughs> over.
1: <laughs> I'm like, you okay, were left. Well, what am I going
2: to do? Where are the guns? Where are the guns, right? Uh,
1: uh, they are just outside. And, and but that's also from that movie we used to play, that old yeah, Left Behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's exactly how it so started. So the, the
2: second story is I'm driving down the street one day. Uh, right on 24th street toward uh, 58. And I look up in the sky and I see this bright light and it's like, it's like twilight. And I'm like, what is that light? What is it? I'm like, it's, he's, he's coming. He's coming right
1: now. I'm like, all right, Lord, whatever you want. You know, i sort of praying. How many times, I don't know if you've done this, but how many times <laughs> okay. has my heart started beating fast? I'll go, Debbie, Debbie. Yeah. And I think she's on the house. She's not outside. I knew she was more spiritual than me. I knew it. The rapture's happened. She's gone and I was left.
3: I've, I've even walked into our offices before and it's just like oddly empty. And I'll yeah. be like, oh, there's no way. <laughs> there's no way. But you know what's funny is, is, is we we have a hard time fully
2: understanding all of it. But so did the deci- the first disciples. Yeah. When they were yeah. in the, the, uh, the, the upper room and Jesus came to them, they were still asking for political uh, uh, asylum. They were still asking mm. for political change. And um I see it today. A lot of Christians are so focused on politics and so focused on, you know, we want things to change in our culture. Whereas if you read the Bible well, it's not gonna get a lot better uh culturally. It's not gonna get a lot better uh in our countries, it's gonna get
1: gnarlier. it's well, it, it, it's people to God, right? People are getting all freaked out about what's going on in the world right now, and it's crazy. But this stuff has to take place. Now now get this. If it's Like Jesus said, it's birth pain. It's going to get faster, 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 faster. And it's really bad, pretty bad right now. Again, I really believe we are very close to the return of Jesus. And I think most Christians are sleeping. They don't believe that. I really do. And I I want to be found ready the minute he comes back. So anyway, this question was just on my mind because it's going to come up in our Bible study. I'm telling you now, I'm like... Noah building the ark. The rain's coming. It's coming. No one listened to him. And so the Lord's coming back. We need to be all about making disciples. We need to be about getting the bad stuff I like and close to God. So let me ask you this real quick.
2: Last question. What's your biggest fear for the generation,
1: uh, our generation and younger? My biggest fear is this. The Bible says in the Old Testament, there was a generation that rose that didn't even know God. Hmm. And my biggest fear is that that slowly but surely, parents are not handing the faith down, not radical faith. Hmm. And that we're going to raise up a generation that goes, who's God like in Israel? Went to Israel. You, you, you were with us. And with those young teenagers all over the streets in Israel would say, you know who Jesus is? And go, who's that? Hmm. You know, he didn't know who Jesus what's, was.
2: What's interesting, this is a gut check for me, is growing up in our house, uh, you didn't just assume that I was going to get it all in church. You didn't right. assume I was going to get it all in mm-hmm. kids ministry. You instilled it in me every night. I wanted you to get night.
1: more in the house by far than you would get at church. Yeah,
2: right? and you did, and that's why probably why Praise I stayed today. And so that's a gut check for me to, to make sure that I'm doing that with my kids. I do it, but I I, I need yeah. to do it better. You
1: know? Well, we all do, and your kids. You know, you know it's, we're gonna be sitting here like this someday. It's gonna. Oh man! All right, all right.
2: just I gotta figure this out. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was my part of the video, the part that I thought of. <laughs> How you guys doing? You guys have a good Thanksgiving? You're alive, you're well. You ate the turkey, you didn't eat it you didn't eat you. That's good. You guys were here. Well, um, I was asking my friend the other day uh, a question And uh, we were talking about things. I said, is it too late? You know, is it too late? Sometimes we think it's too late for whatever. And um, the answer that I I woke up with this morning was a note that I had written on my desk. And uh, it said, it's never too late to live up to your full potential. Um, It might be too late to save a relationship. You never know. Because it has to do with somebody else, right it might be too late to get that job promotion it might be too late to get that six pack you've always wanted right but it's not too late to live up to your full potential and I think that's what God wants for us right uh sitting down with my dad and Justin Greer, and that's a little bit of a uh of a view into. Uh, these meetings that, that we have weekly we, where we sit down and we talk about things. We talk about God, we talk about life, and we talk about struggles, and we talk about, you know, how we can do it better, how we can serve you better. And um, it's been a huge privilege to be able to do that, to sit down with people. And so today um, I'm going to follow up with that video of a, with a really quick message, 10, 15 minutes of uh, learning to lead and what it means to uh, to, to, to learn. Uh, to lead, it's not just um, you know we think of leaders and we think that they're born a certain way and a leader is somebody who's really uh, loud and you know has a Type A personality and is aggressive and you know a look at me kind of person. But really, we're all uh, uh, we're all in a place where we can lead and we need to lead, and we don't have to be the loudest person in the room. And we don't have to be the strongest personality. Um, truthful, uh, the truth is, is that biblically, the way to lead is through service, and so I'm going to pray real quick, and then I'm going to go through this uh, information. Hopefully, I'll get through most of it, but let's just pray this. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, I know that some of us, um, and I think I'm included in this, are in the fight of our lives right now. Lord, there's uh there's a, a heaviness, Lord, on, on all of us. There's a heaviness in this room. There's a heaviness in our lives. Um, I know that some people had a really tough Thanksgiving because they lost loved ones. And, Lord, I, I just pray for grace and mercy, Lord, and I pray for just an abundance of your love, God. It says in your word that you'll, you'll, you'll be there for us, that if we draw near to you, you'll draw near to us, Lord. And so I just pray that you would continue to move in our lives, Lord, and help us to trust you and help us to see what you want us to see today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Greek word that Paul uses in Romans 12 for leadership is interesting. Uh, It means to stand before or to maintain, to be over. Uh, But one of the main definitions means to be a protector or guardian. So if you want to lead, your your main job is to protect and guard and, and keep safe, right? How many of you guys have kids? You have kids? Who's their leader? You, right? You're their leader. We're worried that somebody else is going to lead them. Well, if you lead them, then no one else will, right? Or at least be the strongest voice in their life. And and the way to do that is to protect them, keep them safe, right? But a good leader is a servant first. I was watching this YouTube video. I sent this YouTube video to my other friend, and I said, hey, if anybody wants to know what my vision is for the future, watch this video. It's Simon Sinek, and it's on YouTube or TED Talks. It's, It's called Why Good Leaders Make You Feel Safe. Watch that. I encourage you to do that. But here's some highlights from that. Good leaders, they create an environment that forges heroes. And they do this by creating a safe environment where the people in that environment have a trust and a cooperation for each other. Simon Sinek asked a lot of people that, that had been in heroic situations, that had done heroic things in wartime or whatever, and he asked them why they did it, and he said that the answer was the same over and over and over and over and over. And the answer was because they would do it for me. You see, when we're in a community where we know we, that we've all got each other's back, that, that, that strengthens us. Right, It it gives us courage and it gives us confidence. But when we're in an environment where you can't trust the person sitting next to you or the person sleeping next to you, then that's a hostile environment. So what can we do about that? I think that we have a huge responsibility to lead in our families, to lead in our churches, to lead in our communities, and create an environment that's safe. It says, you know what, I've got your back no matter what. I will take care of you. And there's this law of reciprocity where they they will start to feel the same way about you, right? It's interesting when we learn about what it means to lead and we learn that it's not all about us, our own lives, right? I um, was doing some research and reading about uh, some very successful individuals, and I, and I went through a lot of them, but I'll share a couple of them with you. Um, this individual said that sports are very important to him, and this is the reason why. Participating in teams uh, um, is important, and being in an environment of learning how to be unselfish is key, and that was Wayne Gretzky. So Wayne Gretzky said, "The importance of sports is to learn how to be unselfish and 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 to and to be on a team." Steve Martin said, "You got to learn about history. You got to you got to observe others. You got to let trouble happen. You got to watch people, and you got to reach out to your friends." Right? Alex Honnold. I don't know if you know who he is. He uh, is the guy that did this movie Free Solo, where he he soloed up uh, El Capitan uh, by without ropes. Uh, crazy dude, crazy dude, Uh, rock climber. He said that you have to climb with a partner. You will go further and it's more fun. Who's your partner? Who's your partner? These days I got a few. I got a few. I got a lunch with a partner after this, you know? And then I've got the rest of my day with my other partner, my wife, right? I've got friends, And if I didn't have friends, I promise you that I wouldn't be here right now. I promise you that. And what's interesting about me and having friends, if you know me, I'm not a real social kind of guy. So the fact that I have friends is kind of a miracle, right? (laughs) It really is. I'm not a good friend. I'm not the one that like reaches out all the time. I'm the one that that just kind of I'm there, right? Uh, but, but I have friends because I learned the importance of, of, of reaching out and, and pouring into people at a young age. And, and I've poured into uh, a certain amount of people and, 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 and they have become my lifelong friends because of that, because of a choice, you know, it wasn't, and I'm not trying to build that up, but I'm just saying that I, I knew that when I gave my life to God, that part of my ministry, a huge part of my ministry was to pour into the people around me. I mean, that's what Jesus did, right? Jesus had 12 and he poured into them poured into them, poured into them. And then at one point, he handed the keys to them. He said, I'm going to be up here waiting for you. And he let them run with it, right? And there's something beautiful to that. So don't stop pouring into the people around you. If you don't have enough friends, if you don't have good godly friends, be that friend, be the friend that they need. Don't focus on what you don't have. Focus on who you are and what you can give. And then you will have, that's the rule, right? There's uh, lots of examples of servant leadership in the Bible. I'm going to go through three really quickly. Uh, the first one is Joseph, and you can find his story in Genesis. Uh, it's chapters like 38, 39, somewhere in there. I, I might be wrong, but I, I don't remember. But um, Joseph, he, he, he was somebody who served, and he loved the Lord, and God had given him dreams. He believed that God had a plan for his life, and he just served God wherever he was, And he ended up in bad situation, followed by bad situation, followed by bad situation. Joseph uh, had some brothers that didn't like him. They thought he was spoiled. So they threw him in a pit. Then they got him out of the pit. Then they sold him into slavery. So you think that your siblings are bad. Uh, Did they sell you into slavery? Right? And so what he does is he starts to serve. And he's in this man named Potiphar's house, and he's serving. And all of a sudden, Potiphar's wife starts hitting on the dude. And, and then he, 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 he runs away. But then she, she says that he attacked her. And all of a sudden, you know, he's thrown in jail. But you know what he does when he's in jail? He serves. He says, I'm going to make the best of this. See, he had the right mindset. He had the right... Uh, thinking right he he was he was somebody that knew why he was doing what he was doing and he trusted God and he was doing it for God and only God, right and so he served while he was in prison, and then he got a hold of some prisoners who would end up helping him eventually, but they kind of forgot about him for a while and they helped him eventually. He ended up in in the home of Pharaoh and and he served there and he ended up in a place in a position to where he was able to save not only his family, his brothers and his dad and his family, he was able to save an entire nation because he served where he was at. See, don't look at your circumstances. Don't look at um, the way things are on the outside. Focus on serving God here and now, and he'll make everything right, right? The second example is John the Baptist. John the Baptist came, and he did his thing. He was at the river down by the Jordan River, baptizing people as they came. And, and if you know the uh, geography of, of Israel, um, basically the people would follow the river because there was water. There was desert from the top of, of, of Israel to the Sea of Galilee and all that area. Uh, the Jordan River flows down, and then at one point there's a, there's a road that goes up the mountain to Jerusalem. And so all the travelers from Israel, what they would do, they would travel down the river because there was water and then they would, and then they would take a hard uh, a right and they would go up the mountain to Jerusalem to worship and to uh, uh, go for holidays and whatnot. So, so John the Baptist, he, he positioned himself in a very strategic place right there on the river and he baptized people and he told them that there was somebody coming after him. He prepared all these people for Jesus and that was his job, to prepare the people for Jesus and so when Jesus came, John the Baptist stepped back. And one of the famous uh, verses that, that uh, uh, were the, the words of John the Baptist is, is found in John 3.30. He said this. John 3.30 says, he must increase, but I must decrease. You see, he, he understood when to back down. He understood when to back off. He understood when to put Jesus up, right? Servant leadership. And John the Baptist was beheaded not, not, not a lot longer. Uh, not, He was beheaded. <laughs> turkey brain, man. Yeah, all kinds of weird Thanksgiving substances in my body right now. Becomes part of you. I'm telling you. They say you are what you eat. I'm, I'm stuffing turkey and lots of pumpkin pie. I bought my own pumpkin pie. I'm coming of turning into my dad. Um, I, I talk about, I'm talking about selflessness today. I totally bought my own pumpkin pie and hid it in the fridge, and I've just been eating it. <laughs> just a fat kid, man. <laughs> the ultimate example, though, is Jesus, right? The ultimate example. He led by laying his life down. You want to know what to do? Lay your life down, right? Look at Philippians chapter 2. And uh, I'm going to read verse 3 on. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Right? Nothing. But in humility, count others more significant. More significant. More important. Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves That is above every other name. You lay your life down and God lifts you up. See, there's some heroes in here today. There are heroes in here today. Where are you at? What are you capable of? You know, I've noticed that some of the people that mess up the most are are, are actually the people that are the most dangerous. The devil just throws everything at them. And I've noticed that uh, those people, they have what it takes sometimes to lay it all on the line, for better or for worse, right? They're the people that go, when they go to a party, they party, right? They go crazy. But if they have the right heart, if they go in the right direction, nothing can stop them, right? And, um, And I know that we all make mistakes, right? We all do, we all have a past. But God is still here, and you're still here. So, what are you worried about? You worried about people's opinions? You worried about approval? Money? Job? Status? Health? What is it? Whatever it is, it doesn't matter because you serve a God who has your heart and he has it forever and ever and ever eternal, right? Forever. So why worry? Why worry? Why stress? I know it's easy to say it from up here, right? But I'm going through it too. I live the same life as you. I go home. I go to bed. I can't sleep. Anxiety comes, you know? Stress comes. Pain comes. I'm dealing with all kinds of stuff with different people, and it, it's there's a painful world out there, but we have a God who rises above it, right? Every single time, no matter how high your pain gets, no matter how high your difficulty gets and your frustration gets, God rises up higher. You want more God? Let it happen. Let it come, right? And he'll be there every single step of the way. His grace is sufficient, right? So here's three practices, okay? This, is, this, isn't just, uh, this isn't just talk. Here's three practices that we can all work on to move forward with, all right? Three practices. Number one, practice lifelong learning. Leaders practice lifelong learning. Learn for a reason, for a cause, right? When you wake up, when was the last time you learned something new? For the good of those around you right? Somebody has an issue, they have something going on in, in life. Go, go learn about that. Go to the word. See what the word has to say. Pray and then go. Maybe God will lead you to Barnes and Noble. Okay. It's okay to read other books too. If God leads you, maybe God will lead you to talk to somebody or whatever. Learn for them for their sake, right? Practice lifelong learning. The first thing, the second thing is practice looking inward in order to serve better those that are on the outside. So we look at ourselves and say, okay, this is a heart problem. I need to fix this heart problem so that I can be in the right place to focus on others. That's what communion is, right? You look into your life, you realize that Jesus died for us, that his blood was shed for us, that that blood now runs through our veins, cleansing us, right? And because of that, we we can be clean before him and we can be ready to serve, right? But we have to do that. And then the first thing is practice doing good practice doing good. I was originally going to say practice righteousness, but righteousness is doing the right thing, which means it means doing what God has called you to do. It means obeying God. And that is not always easy to do. Let me tell you why. It's not always easy to obey God because you have to learn how to first listen to God. Okay? And if you learn to listen to God, he will tell you what you need to do, and then you hear him, and then you obey him, right? You won't know what to do unless he tells you, and you won't know what he tells you unless you're hearing, right? And that takes discipline. It really does. And so um, I'm at a place where people are asking me all the time, you know, how do I know it's God? How do I know that God is leading me to do this thing? And I always ask them, is it a good thing to do? And if they say yes, I said, why not do it then? What's it going to cost you? Well, time, energy. Yeah, okay. You're doing something good versus doing something that's not good with your time and energy, right? So just ask yourself, is it good? And do it. And then learn through discipline, through practice, how to hear his voice. And, and, And really, I mean, it's trial and error, right? It's trial and error. I mean, that's what it is. It's trial and error. You learn God's voice by listening to him, right? My dad, when I was little, he had this whistle, And it was for the dog and for me. And um, whenever he'd whistle, man, me and the dog would both just be like, we knew it. We knew it because we heard it and we knew that we were in trouble, right? One of us. God's not giving up on you, so don't give up on him, all right? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, I pray that we would have a resilience. I pray that we would have a passion. I pray that we would have a rekindling. I pray that we would have a, 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 a just a renewing of our hearts and a renewing of our minds today. A lot of us need it. So I pray that you give us that, Lord. And I pray that we would seek you above everything else. And we'd find you. And we'd realize that the peace that you offer, the good that you offer, the love, the hope, the forgiveness... The grace, the healing, everything that you offer is so good, but it's not, all the things you offer are nothing compared to just knowing you. So, God, I pray, Lord, that you take our hearts, take our minds, and help us to get close to you, help us to lean into you and not go get the other direction.
0: Thank you for listening. We pray that this message has ministered to your heart. If you don't already have a church you call home, we invite you to join us at Valley Bible Fellowship for worship, Bible study, fellowship, and more. We're at 2300 East Brundage Lane in Bakersfield, California, near Mount Vernon and Freeway 58. Reach us by phone at 661-325-2251 or visit our website at vbf.org.
3: Who is our king.